Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So God bless you today. We are going to begin uh, a new series. And Rachel and I were talking, just reflecting on the last series and where we should go and what would be apropos. And I think a lot of what we're feeling has a lot to do with what the climate today if you're not careful, will cause you to also be feeling. Um, there's this war that's going on. And I don't know if you guys feel it or not, but there's this contention that's going on in the world today, especially in the spiritual sense, where uh, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise going on when it concerns God, when it concerns what God is saying, and the perception of what God looks like in this world is really being challenged. And I think this is why in this season where God has us wrestling with what we know about God, the idols that we've created, the mentalities and ideologies that we have surrounding this idea of God. Like, is that really true? Is that really how God desires to be known by you? Like, is this really the God of creation? Or am I really serving a God that I've cut a little piece of that, a little piece of this, a little piece of that, and then some of my past and some cliches and some things that I think and some things that I heard in the movie that I saw and all this other stuff. And we've created this image, an idea of God that is not God enough to sustain us when it matters. So in that same vein, we wanted to coin this topic, WWJD, and we all know what that means. What would Jesus do? Okay. Now, this is going to be a progressive series in, in where we're going to explore not only the person of Jesus Christ, but what is Jesus doing and saying about things that are pertinent to our lives, okay? So we're going to go through, as the Lord leads us, what does Jesus say about relationship? What does Jesus say about family? What does Jesus say about, and we're going to go through these different things and how Jesus dealt with issues, because at the end of the day, the only way for us to get to know God is by getting to know Jesus better. Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to an understanding of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the very imprint of the nature of God. That Jesus is the very image of God. It's very apropos uh, to be looking at the life of Jesus in relation to how we should be. Mm -hmm. Like, how we, understanding how he thought and, and his response towards certain things yeah. will allow us to be able to know what we should be doing, mm -hmm. how we should be conducting ourselves, what our behavior should look like, and, and mm -hmm. how we should respond, and, and not falling into a caricature right. of Christianity and what we deem mm -hmm. a Christian looks like and how they should act and how they should behave. We should be taking our cue from who we're patterning our life after. Mm -hmm. So, yes, just to reiterate no, the importance of this series. Also, to piggyback on what you're saying, babe, like everything that's going on in the world right now is doing one primary thing inside of all of us. It's producing or fostering feelings. 
It's evoking an emotion from us, right? So in this series, I'm prayerful that even as we explore what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying about certain things, what is Jesus feeling about it? Because it's very easy to get religious. Like it's very easy to start just having your feelings or convictions swayed by popular opinion. So a part of being a Christian is having your feelings that align with God's feelings. So even if you don't agree necessarily with what the Bible says, because it's contrary to culture, which it would be, the feelings need to be sanctified in a sense that your feelings need to be set apart. So that if God says in the Bible, this is wrong, Jesus said, this is wrong. Even if you struggle with it, right. and even if you think it's, ah, that's too harsh, I don't think that's fair. Having our feelings align with what God is saying, which is what Jesus would be saying, is where we want to be. Right. Going from egocentric to Jesus-centric. Yeah. Yeah. Centered by Jesus opposed to our egos and what we, again, feel or deem is yeah. right. Yeah. So this is another inner working series. So, so if, if we want to grow in our inner man and our spirit man, we're going to feed our spirit man with what Jesus said in this series. Why does it matter what Jesus did? One of the main reasons why is because Jesus' opinion reflects what God's opinion is about those things. Jesus' posture towards stuff is what God's posture is. The premise of this series and understanding the importance of valuing Jesus' feelings, Jesus' opinion, what Jesus says, is in turn, you are actually valuing what God is saying. And God wants to make himself known to us, but that is only possible through a better understanding of who Jesus is. This brings us to Matthew, the 16th chapter. And this is a very popular verse. There are a few verses here. But I think we're going to focus on this for today just to open up this series. And then we'll go deeper over the next uh, few weeks, okay? So Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. And this is the New Living Translation, this verse. And it reads, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I think we're going to wrestle with that today because there's a lot in that. And I think this sets the foundation for where the Lord wants us to go as far as uh, understanding what would Jesus do. In order to understand what would Jesus do, we understand or come to grips with who we believe that he is. The first question he asks is, who do people say that I am? Let's think about that. Who do people in your circle, in your life, in your family, what is their definition of Jesus? Is there a prevailing rejection or acceptance of Jesus? Is there a prevailing indifference? And why is it important to ask that question or wrestle with perception around you first? 
I think for obvious reasons, it's important to wrestle with the perceptions around you because those perceptions can tend to influence your own understanding and perception of Jesus. He comes to his disciples and asks this question. So he comes to the people who are familiar with him. These are people who say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm a follower. Oh, I've been exposed to it. I'm, I'm around, around it. Who, who do people say? Your perception as a disciple, looking outside at the people that are not disciples, what, what, what is their prevailing feeling and sense of who I am? And even those who are other believers, people who in your circle that also claim to be Christian, like who do they say Jesus is? What is their view of Jesus in light of everything that's going on in our society right now? all of the things that are happening in the church, all of the scandals and all this other stuff that's happening. And who are they saying that Jesus is? Are they saying the church is off? Are they saying things like, that's why I don't go to church no more? Because who do they say I am? And these conversations, I think, are really important for us in our own walk with God to preserve a genuine definition of who Jesus is based on who he says he is, not based on who we think, and who we need or want him to be. And why is this important? Because how we treat Jesus is how we treat God. What we think about Jesus is what we really think about God. If we are unwilling to accept all that Jesus both calls us to and calls us out of, then we in turn are rejecting or accepting all that God has provided for us. So he asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And some of them said, well, he, he, he's John the Baptist, right? Yeah. So we associate Jesus with somebody great that's not quite him. So we associate Jesus with a good man or someone who is called by God, right? Someone who is relatable to us in a sense. But notice what we do, right? Some say you, you, you're John the Baptist. Well, well, that doesn't make sense because John the Baptist was obviously another person. Like some people say you're an Elijah. You're, you're, you're Elijah. You, you're, you're the, one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. Like, like we, 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 it's very easy to try to put Jesus in a box that is convenient for us to be able to intellectually understand. The power of God is seen when we leave Jesus where he needs to be. There's this idea that because he became flesh and dwelt among us, that we humanize him. And we make him our brother, but we revoke his godness. We, we make him our best friend, but we, we revoke the fact that he's the creator of the universe. And all things, through him, all things hold together. In him and with him, all things were made. Nothing was made without him. That was made. So there's this idea that God is calling us to, to first assess who do people say that the Son of Man is. It should matter to you what people say about Jesus. Think about that. If you really love somebody, you're going to defend them. Like, like if you really understand the gravity of someone that has given something to you, you're not going to feel good or comfortable with other people talking or messing with that person's reputation or that person's name. So there's this challenge to our devotion to the Lord that goes past Sundays, you know, that goes past just the religious things that we do. And we can all relate to us in our own family situations, right? 
I ain't gonna let nobody talk about my kids. I'm not gonna let nobody talk about my parents or you know, some my wife. You, you know, you, you're in trouble in that way. And, and I may not get you verbally yet, but inside my mind, there are feelings and things that are like, no, 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 no. So the question Jesus is asking, okay, who do people say that I am? In other words, do you love and care for me enough to feel something when my name is being misused? Do you care about me or love me enough or see what I've done for you to the point that you're willing to defend me when people are talking about me? So this is a this is a sanctification of our walk that the Lord is calling us to. Like, like this climate challenges us to not just be, you know, back closet Christians. Christians that are conveniently just, I'm just a Christian in the, in the back. Yeah. Oh yeah. I go to church every now and then. Like it's, it's you got to choose, right? So it's like, either you're going to stand for Christ or you're not. Now standing for Christ means feeling what he feels and responding to that accordingly. Mm. And a lot of times that goes against what we feel. Mm. God wants us to feel what he feels in the same way that God proved through Christ that he could feel what we feel. You see how, but you see how one-sided we can be, right? Lord, I just want you to feel my pain. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I want you to relate to where I am. You know exactly what it is to be tempted, Lord. You know everything God understands. That's what we say, right? Now, can God say, you understand? Can God say, when he looks at the world and he's grieved by all the pain, and all the unrighteousness, and all the sin, and all the selfishness in this world, and he's grieved. Are you grieved too? That this is the this this is the question. So, in order to understand what would Jesus do, a lot of that has to do with what would Jesus feel. How would Jesus? Yeah. How, how does Jesus <laughs> feel? Yes. Right. And just think about this. Like, it's very easy to think about this in a, in, a, in like an insecure sense, right? Like. What does Jesus care what people think about him? He's Jesus. Like, I mean, I'm sure we could read that and be like, it's pretty insecure to me. I mean, what do people say? That, I mean, if you're insecure in yourself, it don't matter what people say. Okay, so it doesn't matter what people say per se, but when it comes to your spiritual walk, it does matter what people saying about Jesus because the, the circle that you're in is going to ultimately influence how you think. That's just the truth, right? So they're saying John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, other prophets. Then he acts. All right. I'm expecting them to not have a true idea of who I am because they're not that close to me. For you that have come to church and for you that pray and you that read your Bible and you that grew up in a Christian home and you that, you know, say that you come, who do you Say that I am. That, that, that's that's like the, that's like the foundation of the question. Like Jesus asking all of us. Okay, uh, I know we met. I know you got saved, and you know we've been living together for some time, and you've been walking with me. Uh, you know, in varying degrees of faithfulness. It's all of us, right? You know, there's seasons where we're like praying every day because we're going through, and it's like every time we open our eyes, Lord, help me, please. I'm struggling. God, please help me. And then another seasons like everything is cool, and it's like. Thanks, God. You're great. I appreciate you. Hallelujah. And we're not even close to the level of desperation that we were before. And it's season. It's humans. It's us too. Humanly, right? 
And we could tell you stories. I could tell you stories where I read my Bible nonstop because I was going through and just read and just read and cried and worshiped. Oh God, please help me out. And then other scenes where it's like, thank you, Lord. I'm praying in my heart. <laughs> right? So we, we all go through it. It's just a level of the playing field here. This ain't us trying to be more righteous than anybody else. We're we're hot messes trying to live this thing too, right? Absolutely. But 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 the point the point of what we're making here is um, you walking with God and you having a real relationship with Jesus, there comes a time where you have to reassess who you say that he is because of the first question. The first question was, who do people say that I am? And we're in a culture where everybody has a definition of who Jesus is, what God is like. God is accepting this. God don't accept that no more. Like God changes. No, the only thing that's changing is us and our interpretation of what God is saying, right? So it's, it's human for us to try to create a God and make him uh, a product of our devotion rather than we de- we are devoting ourselves to the creator, right? God is not a product of our devotion, right? He is the creator and we worship. It's, it's a one-way thing, right? But we try to make it our, our, make it our own way, which causes us to now fall into these uh, temptations to start to um, redefine the truth about who the Lord really is. And if we don't have a grasp of who Jesus is by his own definition, then we in turn do not understand all that is God. We have no chance to understand God if we do not first understand who Jesus says that he is. So he asks them, who do you say that I am? You that are following me. You that go to church. You that check off that box and they're on the forms and say, I'm a Christian. And notice, the Bible says that Simon Peter answered, right? He answered and he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, I, I, right there, I, 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 I would imagine that there might have been a dramatic pause after who do you say that I am? Like, and, and I'm using my imagination here, right? So let's just think about this. If, if, if Jesus was to ask you today, and by the Holy Spirit, he's asking you that right now. Like, who do you say that I am? Like, who, who is Jesus to you? And this is the, like the definition. Now, we're Rolodexing who he is, right? So for some of us, let's just let's answer it naturally, right? Well, who is Jesus? Well, he's my provider. He's my best friend. He's God's son. He's, he's, he's my savior. He's whatever Jesus is to you, right? But this question is calling for who Jesus is at the core, right? So it's not... What has Jesus done for you? It's who is he? If you had to encompass Jesus into one thing where the root and core of who he is and all the other things are the fruit and byproducts of a relationship with him, who do you say that I am? And obviously, Jesus is expecting a different answer from them than he is from those who have, who asked the question first. Like, he, Jesus is expecting your response to who he is to be different than those that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. I should have a little more to say about who my parents are than someone who's maybe known them outside of my house. I I should have a little bit more to say, a little more insight, a little more, based on my experience, I should have a little more depth in my response than someone who is experiencing them on the outside of my reality. 
So this is really a test to how superficial our relationships can be, where we can be friends with somebody and not really know them. We can be close to somebody and not really understand who they are, or not even be curious enough to know because we've already, we've already created a space for that person and that's where they stay. And the challenge here is God wants us to take Jesus out of that friend zone. We know how we do, you know, the church, a safe church space and get closer, right? To have Jesus be more of an intimate participant in your life. Your need for God is funneled through your need for Christ. You know, like this is idea of, okay, I, I need to know Jesus more intimately. I need to understand him more intimately because if I do, then I will understand God better. Like if I understand Jesus more intimately, if I spend more time uh, examining what he said, what he did, why he did it, what he really meant, then I'm going to understand the heart of God because God created it that way. So who do men say that I am? Long pause, people thinking. Here comes Simon Peter. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. I like to debunk whatever other prevailing primary definition of who Jesus is other than what is said right here. Jesus wants to be known by you, first and foremost, as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What does that mean? Messiah is another word for anointed one. So it's the savior of the world, the son of the living God. The purpose of Jesus was salvation, to bring you in right relationship with God, not just so you can go to heaven, but that you can live a godly life on earth, that you can be a reflection of God's love and glory on the earth. It's only possible through Christ. So Jesus, he's a provider, he's a healer, he's a deliverer, he's all this. But ultimately, the heart of Christ, the heart of God towards us, is that we understand him as the savior of the world, as the anointed one, separated one, chosen one by God, the living God, son of the living God. And all that means, the savior of the world, the one who came to redeem us back to God, so that our faith in him would produce the fruit of righteousness in our life. He, he, he says this, and notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, hold on now. Simon, you're blessed. You're blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Now, this is really, really, really powerful, okay? Now, the thing I love about Simon Peter, Peter, was Peter was, not only was he impulsive, he was probably the one of the most real human characters in that squad of 12 disciples. I'm telling you, like, you knew Peter had, he had attitude problems, Peter had anger problems, Peter was, I mean, Peter was raw. He was real and raw, right? Like many of us, huh? Authentic. Authentic, right? <laughs> he just was who, he said whatever, uh, look, you know, y'all can get ready to kill Jesus? Oh, I'm getting ready to fight. Like, and he loved hard. He loved Jesus hard, hard enough to be put in situations where, hard enough to be put in situations where he would say the wrong thing. His passion would cause him to, to, to say the wrong thing sometimes or do the wrong thing sometimes in front of Jesus, right? And, 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 and Jesus' grace and understanding that love and passion for him covered him, right? 
covered him. So the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter and basically confesses this truth that is not revealed by human beings. And this is what we're often saying. All we are praying for these and all of you who join us and, and, and those who listen, that we want to be a conduit, a means by which the Holy Spirit can draw you into a closer relationship with God through Christ. That your revelation and understanding of Jesus does not come from us. There is no human being that's going to give you the revelation of who God is. It is you opening up yourself to all that God is by the encouragement of the word. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through people like us, through ministries, through things, through community and godly community by which the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. So you're not going to learn who Jesus is solely by a human being. There's a submission to God that needs to happen. There is an awakening that happens in your spirit. There is a drawing that happens by the Holy Spirit that causes us to now come into a deeper knowledge of the truth. Now, what you can control is you can control your humility level. You can control how much you exalt your thoughts over the possibility of God. God gave us free will, right? So, so that free will is always going to be in our hands. Like God is never going to take away your choice. That's what makes you in his image. You have, you have, you have a free will, which is one of the most powerful uh, elements of us being in existence. That we can choose to say no to God. And God's not going to be forcing us to do anything. But understanding the consequences of saying no to God the consequences of saying no to God are all the things that cause us to be separated from God, both now and in eternity. So understanding this and the depth of this and the reality of, of, of this, 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 this wonderful uh, section of scripture and that Jesus is asking us, who do you say that I am? And is me being Messiah me being savior, me being son of the living God, and all that means priority over all of the other stuff that you might have heard, that you might have experienced about me. Do you just know me based on what you think I can do for you? Do you just know me based on what other people have said about me? And you that have been following me. Do you have something of more depth to say about me based on how you've been walking with me? I think the, the Holy Spirit really wants us to meditate on that in this series. Set the tone for how we're going to go. Because at the end of the day, I think this climate is making us choose. It's forcing us to really choose. And the choice is not going to be easy if you have a carnal mind. If you love your life too much, the choice is going to be very difficult. If you're more concerned about other people's opinions about you, your choice is going to be very difficult. And Jesus says something crazy. He said, if you are ashamed of me in front of men, then I will be ashamed of you in front of my father. 
Just think about that. This is the day where we have to be publicly on the Lord's side. We can't be a closet Christian anymore. And we're going to be forced to have to make decisions. And in order for us to have the faith that we'll make the right decisions, we must first understand who the people say that I am. But then also, is that different than who you say that I am? Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We wanna know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the Lifehouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.